Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. There are two modern-day issues that we are going to deal with. A. Our distaste for the emotion of fear, especially in a relationship, and especially in our relationship with God. B. Our challenge with finding true and fulfilling love with God, with our family, and with our fellow. Our generation yearns for an impractical love. Fiddle on the Roof has an interesting scene in which Tevye was introduced to the New Age type of love from his modern son-in-law-to-be. Tevye then comes home and asks his wife Golda, Do you love me? Golda responds with partial shock and partial disgust. For Golda was educated in the old ways of love, in which love is to be a practical feeling, practical enough to drive a relationship and the duties it entails. Our generation feels starved with that love of old, and any such relationship leaves us feeling imprisoned and suffocated. Thus, there is this deep sense of abandonment and loneliness in the love of old. Love today needs to be an overwhelming, overflowing feeling of having wings, flying and walking on clouds. Or the question, why am I in this relationship anyway, begins to nag. On the same note, our generation despises any sense of fear in any relationship, whether it be with God, parents, teachers or any sort of authority, and how much more so with a spouse. There is nothing to fear, but fear itself is our perception of fear. What we are going to learn in this lecture, based on the relationship between Abraham and Isaac, is that without fear, true and intense love is impossible. The verse commands us, And you shall love the God your God, upon which our sages ask, How is it possible to command a feeling? Most commentaries define the commandment of loving God to be a commandment to concentrate upon God. And thus, the introductory verse to loving God is, Hear, meaning understand, that God is our God, God is one. To concentrate and to understand God to our best capacity and to understand the oneness and relationship that God has with His universe will naturally and effortlessly flow into loving God. However, the commandment of loving God after the commandment to know and understand God is an action commandment, commands us to actively create a love for God and not to just flow naturally into loving God. The action of creating love for God beyond just the natural flow from the here, O Israel, is to have the love express itself in driving us downward into action and not to get lost into a yearning upward. The Talmud defines this commandment as that the name of heaven be beloved because of you. The active commandment of loving God is expressed in our love for God, driving us to act in a fashion that will attract others to love God. What is important for our lecture is that the commandment of love is not to have a feeling of yearning upward toward God, wanting to be lost in our love. 
Rather, the commandment is specifically to be driven downward into engaging with actions. Our Torah portion begins with the verse, And these are the generations of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. The obvious question is, if Isaac is the son of Abraham, then obviously Abraham begot Isaac. So why the double terminology in the verse? The mystical answer is that Abraham is love, as the verse states, the seed of Abraham who loved me, and Isaac is fear, as the verse states, and the fear of Isaac. Fear without love first won't work. However, it is fear that brings love to its truest and fullest form. Thus, first, Isaac, fear, is the son of, meaning comes after, Abraham, love. And then, Abraham, true love, is begot of Isaac, fear. And now, for the list of mystical concepts we need to explore in order to understand this lecture. A. Kindness and strength. B. Light and darkness. C. Closeness and distance. D. Love and fear. And E. Who is first, Abraham or Isaac? And let the amazement of Hasidus begin. Let us begin with understanding what it means when our sages refer to Abraham as kindness and to Isaac as strength. In Kabbalah, the concept of kindness refers to revelation and strength refers to concealment. However, there are layers and layers to this generality of these two first emanations from which all other emanations come forth. Kindness refers to the revelation as it comes from the goodness and kindness of God and is not focused upon what the recipient deserves or not. The vice to this is that as we know, when kindness is given without the recipient earning it, whether the recipient be a child, employee or friend, the kindness isn't valued and even becomes perverse in a form of entitlement rather than being appreciated and reciprocated. Strength refers to concealment as it comes in a form of justice earned by the recipient. The vice to this is, can a finite being doing finite actions ever earn a revelation of infinite light without it being concealed so that only a finite ray be given? However, the emanation is called strength and not justice. The power of strength is experienced in its many layers. First of all, it is only because of the emanation of strength's power of concealment that the universe is an amazing compilation of so many different forms of life interplaying with each other, rather than being one big glob of infinitism. Thus, in essence, the strength of God is seen in this emanation of concealment. Secondly, even God's infinite goodness is seen specifically through the emanation of strength in greater measure than in the emanation of kindness. To understand this, take a look at the difference between our experiences of a rain versus our experience of a tsunami. One is a revelation of an infinite amount of water which causes devastation, while in the other we are receiving the concealment of the infinite and receiving finite drops of constructive, absorbable revelation. And, thirdly, there is another layer within the infinite itself in which the power of the emanation of strength is precisely that it is the overwhelming powerful strength of revelation even stronger than the revelation of kindness. This refers 
to the emanation of kindness being the revelation of light as it is a form revelation, while the emanation of strength is the revelation of the essence source of the light within the light. The point of my sharing all of this with you is to understand that while generally we speak of the light of revelation as good and the darkness of concealment as bad, here in the divine emanations of the infinite light all is good. So too, in reference to Abram and Isaac, needless to say, Isaac, the embodiment of the emanation of strength, is as holy, righteous, and good as Abraham, the embodiment of the emanation of kindness. Let's take this one step further. The Zohar actually defines Abraham and Isaac as light and darkness. This is what the Zohar says. To light, this is Abraham, and to darkness, this is Isaac. To understand this, we need to focus on a blessing in our morning prayer based on a verse in Isaiah. The verse in Isaiah says, Who forms light and creates darkness? Who makes peace and creates evil? I am the Lord who makes all these. The blessing in our prayer is, Who forms light and creates darkness? From this blessing and the verse it is built upon, we see two things. A. God created darkness, which means that darkness isn't just a void of light, but is an existence in its own. And B. As God created darkness, it is the epitome of goodness, and that it is only as darkness descends into the world that darkness evolves into evil. Darkness, in its holiness and goodness, like the higher dimension of strength, is actually more powerful than light. In addition, darkness actually pre-existed light, as the verse clearly states that even before God created light on the first day of creation, and here's what the verse says, now the earth was astonishingly empty and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Mystically, this refers to the next point that we are going to discuss, that of closeness and darkness. Generally speaking, we always refer to God and closeness to God as light and as being in the light, while we refer to those who are distant from God as darkness and as being in darkness. However, let's look to the moon for a moment. There is the light side of the moon and there is the dark side of the moon. Kabbalah and Hasidus point out that the light side of the moon is the side that is facing earth, while often the dark side of the moon is precisely the side of the moon that is facing the sun, absorbing the light. In mystical terms, this represents that precisely when one stands in utter closeness to God, to the source, one is in absolute humility, in total receiver's silence mode, incapable at all of being in the identity and capacity of a giver or of giving revelation. In even deeper terms, the birth of light and revelation begins outside of the essence source, while darkness and concealment exist within the essence source. This is why the verse tells us of the existence of darkness before God said anything, projecting outwardly through God's utterance into the universe. However, light began with the utterance of God into the universe, and God said, let there be light. Thus we now have that Isaac actually comes before Abraham, Why then does the verse first say Isaac, the son of Abraham, meaning that Abraham, light, must come before Isaac, darkness? To understand this, 
we will now turn to how Abraham and Isaac manifest themselves in our human service to God, in which Abraham is the service of, and you shall love God your God, and Isaac is the service of, God your God, you shall fear. As in darkness and in strength, there are the lower layers of fear and there are the higher layers of fear. There is the lower fear of distance in which the fear is driven by the darkness, which is the void of light, and the strength, which is the experience of concealment. This is the fear of retribution, in which the worst of all retribution is to lose our relationship with God. However, Isaac is the manifestation of the higher fear, the fear that comes precisely from being exceedingly humbled into absolute abnegation of ego and even of self-identity outside of being God's child due to being exceedingly close to God and to God's infinite greatness. Allow me to explain. There is a feeling of respect that comes from the greatness of God that we can perceive and absorb. However, the total humility that comes from being too close to the infinite greatness of God beyond anything that we can perceive or absorb can't manifest itself in respect. Rather, it manifests itself in the total humility of utter fear, even beyond the feeling of awe. The outcome of this experience isn't that we want to run around shouting and sharing God with everyone and everything. It doesn't even allow us to want to run around serving God with our thought, speech, and action, or even to have feelings for God. This higher fear experience leaves us in a total sense of nothingness, in which we want nothing more than to ebb out of our own existence and into becoming total oneness with God's existence, lost within the essence source. The service of love, on the other hand, is the experience of being distant enough from God in which we feel our feelings and love for God. This feeling of love drives us to want to flow all over God's universe, shouting and sharing and serving God with everyone and everything through all of our thoughts, speech, and actions. Thus, the, difference but, uh, of the different experiences of fear and of love are that fear is our ebbing and yearning upward, out of self into God, while love is our flowing and revealing God downward into all of our being, surroundings, and the universe. Now let us understand the order of the verse in which first there is Abraham, a necessity before Isaac, and then Abraham is the outcome of that he begot Isaac. To understand this, we turn to the many layers of the emanation of strength which manifests itself in the human emotion and service of God of fear. The first layer of higher fear is the drive of ebb, which is the humility that drives self-refinement in which we smash the ego. However, there is a rule in the teachings of the Rebbe in his book Hayom Yom for the 20th day of Elul. The teaching says, One who is lowly and crass does not sense his own crassness and lowliness. In order to be able to experience the first layer of fear, to perceive the need for self-refinement and smashing of the ego, we need to first experience some layer of love and revelation of God within our life. Thus, at the onset, Isaac, fear, humility, is the son, outcome, of Abraham, love, revelation. However, this love is precisely the outcome of distance and some sense of self. 
The first experience of love is besmirched by the fingerprints of ego and lowliness. Additionally, being that this love is that of kindness from above, undeserved and unearned, therefore it is ultimately beyond our present capacity to make it ours and permanent. Thus, after we utilize our ebb experience of fear, working self-refinement and smashing of the lowliness and crassness of our ego, we then transform into the highest strength, fear, in which the power of this strength is that we are experiencing the revelation of the essence source within this infinite light, and not just some form of only an expression of light as it is uttered outward. This is why, concerning the utterance of Let There Be Light, the verse diverts from its regular conclusion of And It Was So, and instead states And There Was Light. Originally, the empowerment of essence light was given. However, without the humility and refinement of fear, we could not connect to the essence light. And therefore, the verse does not say And It Was So. For instead, what was produced for the universe was a different light, an outward expression light. In order to connect with the higher strength, the essence source light, we must first work the higher fear humility. Thus the higher revelation can only exist through fear, and therefore this higher Abraham can only exist because Abraham begot Isaac, the fear. And now, for the modern issue that we have with our unfulfilled love and our negative fear. In closing, we now clearly understand that there is a healthy and an unhealthy love and that there is a healthy and an unhealthy fear. The love in which I lose all sense of self is actually very unhealthy and is the foundation of codependence, which will ultimately destroy any chance of true love at all. In fear, in which we keep on living consistently in the fear and anxiety of losing our relationship is an unhealthy fear, which breeds the feeling of abandonment and victimhood, which will eventually destroy any chance of a true relationship. The healthy pattern of love is to first of all have us want to become better, more refined and more deserving of our relationship. Thus we embrace the first level of fear in which we work on self-refinement and we work on smashing our selfishness and self-centeredness. Thus in turn, this in turn allows us to embrace the beautiful balance of ebb and flow in a relationship. The ebb that continuously drives us to be a refined person deserving of our relationship and the flow that drives us to continuously live and work the relationship with our thoughts, speech, and actions of gratitude and service to the one we love. Friends, modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here, at the platform of the Jewish mind, is where modernity meets Judaism.